Hello, I'm Taj, digitally known as Tropic Vibes, the host of Nifty Business, where we highlight NFTs and explore Web 3.0 as we move from pure speculation to creating real-world value. Today, I have a very special guest, Safra Peters, who is on the team of the 90s Babes but also, she's a one-of-one one artist, and so much value is in this conversation that I didn't want to cut it down or cut out any pieces of it. It is a little bit long, so I know this is a huge time commitment, and anyone that is listening to these episodes, I greatly appreciate it. So what I will do is just get straight to the content. However, I'll give you a little preview of tomorrow, so that way, if you're listening to these every single day, you don't have to worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to be all about brand new people coming into the space. So I definitely want everyone that is trying to listen every day to listen to this one. So if anything, you're going to skip, skip tomorrow and just listen to the full episode of this one. So without any more delay, let's get straight to the content with Safra. Thank you for coming on the show and being a part of this because I'm still getting used to the whole flow of doing the interviews. But the reason why I want to have you on more than a lot of people is because I share a lot, especially about 90s babes and various communities that I'm in. And we've been in spaces already, and I thought we had a good rapport. So I really wanted to have you on and to find out that you're actually doing art of your own and everything. So I was really excited about that. So thank you for being here. Of course. That, that's really kind to hear that you're talking about 90s babes. And it's truly an honor to just be here and chat with you. And you're always so active and, and so kind in our Discord and on Twitter. I'm excited to get down to it and just chat and get to know you a little bit more. Or I guess we're getting to know me today, technically. But... <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. So, Seth, how did you get into the whole NFT space anyways, as far as what drew you to it and what has it been like so far? I've been an artist, like a digital artist, illustrator since 2019. Before that, I was into photography and a bunch of other things. But yeah, so in 2019, I started drawing. And then fast forward to March 2021, I started this new job. And my boss found out that I draw. He had mentioned NFTs to me. He's like, oh, like you're an artist. There's this thing called NFTs. You should check it out. And I think at that time, I Googled it. I read one article and I got really intimidated by it. And I completely closed the article. And I just forgot about NFTs, ignored it, forgot about it. So I heard about it, but I didn't really understand it. And then fast forward again to, let's say about August, September, October, like somewhere, it's got a little bit blurry, but within those three months, my old roommates from college, we have a group chat and they're also into art. We're similar in that way. And they were talking about NFTs. And this is like the second time I heard about it. And I'm like, okay, like I have some familiarity. I was listening in the background or as they were typing and they're just talking about, oh no, like my cousin's into this and he's selling this and doing this. And I had no idea what was going on. I was just there for the convo. And I think like a month after that, this was probably October. One of my friends had told me that she was tweeting at Gary B and he airdropped her a free world of women because this was the time that he was giving away like free NFTs for people who would tweet him. So she got a world of women and she was freaking out. And I'm like, what the heck is this? Like, why is she so excited? I knew about Gary Vee before, but I didn't really know much about his NFT side. So I had gone back, refollowed him and checked out all the socials. But then on top of that, I started researching World of Women. And it wasn't until then it clicked for me seeing Yam and the rest of the team taking Yam's art, but creating it into this global brand and doing so much good for the world through art, it clicked into my head like what NFTs really are. And then from there, I was hooked. I also sort of tried to start tweeting at Gary Vee. <laughs> like, I want one, but I didn't get one. But yeah, then I started being more active on Twitter. I had my I had that account for quite some time for school. I just never used it. But 
Then I started being more active in the NFT space. I started learning more. I started buying NFTs, which everybody like do your own research, please. Before buying, I made the stake of just buying into it. I thought that's how I would learn and I made some mistakes, but it's okay. Yeah, that's my story. That's how I got into it. It just kind of fell into my lap. And as an artist, I was like, this is the perfect place for me to grow my platform and just explore more. And here we are. That is really cool. I love hearing how people got into this because even my story of how I got into NFT is pretty funny in the sense that when Clubhouse was blowing up, that was the first audio only app, of course. I'm scrolling through and all the different titles of rooms was saying um, NFT, whatever. And I thought it was somehow related to NSFW, not safe for work or whatever. <laughs> so I just avoided all those rooms. Yeah. yeah, I just skipped over all of them. I was like, yep, can't go in that one. Can't go in that one. Can't go in that one. <laughs> then one day I was listening to a podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire with John Lee Dumas. And one of the, the guests that was on it was speaking about NFTs and digital collectibles. And it just blew my mind and brought me back to middle school when Pokemon cards came out. And that was how I connected all the dots to crypto, blockchain and everything. So when people laugh at this space and say, this is such a goofy space, it takes different things. Some people automatically see Bitcoin come in for the currency. Some people see the NFTs come in for various reasons or the people that are playing games. So I always love to just ask that question. How'd you get into the space anyways? So it's one thing to actually get in, start making those collections, buying, making those mistakes like we've all done. (laughs) We've all done some silly things and learned along the way. But how did you start to actually get involved with creating NFTs? Being on the creator side is completely different than just going out and collecting as hopefully most of us start that way first. (laughs) 100%. I think for me, my intention was to be a creator first versus a collector. I like just naturally being an artist, I understood the art part more than the collector part. I've never really been a collector of anything other than, you know, Pokemon cards as well. That was like my thing. Shoes. Okay, so maybe I have been a collector. But (laughs) (laughs) I, I think that for me, like my intention was to come in for the art and to create art and just essentially create another marketplace for my art. I was used to selling at markets in Toronto or selling art on Etsy and and you just make pennies from that. So for me, this was like a, a golden opportunity to expand my platform. Obviously, like I didn't jump into it right away. Like the intention was to do art, but I think to learn, like I'm the type of person that needs to do. So that's what I meant when I said I ended up purchasing NFTs because I wanted to see how the process worked. Those projects that nothing happened to them, they fell like they flop projects unfortunately but that's how I learned was going through the process of joining discord talking to the community and purchasing the physical nft buying crypto it was a learning process and then from there I was also very active on twitter I started joining twitter spaces and I started joining a lot of women in nft spaces and I met a lot of cool people on there and it was one person in particular tau underscore nft one time we were in a space together and we became friends long story short and One time I hopped into a space she was speaking in, she was talking about her experience, a a woman of color, like as an Asian woman going to school in in America and her mom would pack her ethnic food and she would get bullied for it because she didn't have a sandwich and there would be a, a smell and people would bully her and she was getting really emotional and this is something me as a South Asian woman, like I have experienced so much, you know, like you don't bring curry to school because you're gonna get bullied and you know how it is. So I had actually wrote an article and made an illustration about this a year before. So I just sent her a link to the article and I sent her a picture that related to that same story. And I was like, hey, like, you're not alone. Like, I just wanted to console her. I was like, you're not alone. I've been through something similar. I'm glad that we can connect in here if you want to talk. And she instantly was like, oh, my God, I want to buy this. Like, where can I buy it? I want to buy this piece of art. And I was like, 
I was like shocked because I'm like, well, it's not an NFT. And it's just, I just made it. And she's like, no, 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 put it on OpenSea. I want to buy it. And I wasn't even thinking about at that moment to start even creating NFTs. I was still learning the space. But for someone to have connected that deeply with my work that they were like, I need this. Like, I need to purchase it and support you because we've been through similar experience was just so powerful. And yeah, that's what led me to selling my very first NFT. And then after that, I had tweeted about it the next day, I was like, GM, like I just sold my first NFT question mark. And believe it or not, that tweet blew up, like it just blew up because everyone was just so excited for the community excited for people to be selling art. This was in October. So October 2021. So people were just very excited that tweet blew up. And I just thought, okay, like, I have momentum. I need to take advantage of this. Like I went from what to 100 or 200 followers to like a thousand in a day. So for me, I'm like, oh my God, I need to take advantage. And then so a week after that, I tweeted, okay, in a week, I'm going to drop my very first collection. And then I dropped a collection of seven pieces called the Visionary Ladies. And some of it were pieces that I'd already created that I turned into NFTs and some of them were new. So I just acted on the opportunity, but I didn't sell out my collection right away. It was a push that I needed, but I think the momentum was in my head a little bit. (laughs) But yes, that's how I got into selling NFTs. See, that is really cool. I love hearing that perspective because a lot of people have the assumption that, oh, people come into the space for one purpose only and it's just to make a lot of money. However, you were creating the art that connected with someone and that person drew you into the NFT space. So that is such a cool story because a lot of people, as I said, it's like the whole thing. It's like money. Okay, how can I make money with this? No, like you're missing the whole point. It is bigger than just a quick push just throwing something out there. So that was just an amazing story. And I can relate to that cultural thing as far as food, because I remember when I was in elementary school, because I'm Jamaican, by the way, Mm -hmm. Um, can't tell by the accent because I grew up in New York. But and I remember uh, we have this thing called is bun and cheese, which is basically like, uh, oh, you know, okay, cool. My partner is Jamaican, actually. Oh, sweet. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) I have to explain that to you then. So I show up at school with bun and cheese. and I just remember all the kids looking at me and they're like, what are you eating? Did you uh-huh. get that from your dog? And I never brought oh, it back again. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> You're so mean. Yeah. So I never brought it back again. I remember going home. I was like crying to my mother. I was like, I can't bring this for lunch. Yeah. You know? But Kids are I, terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought it was just the best lunch ever until that day. So I would eat my bun and cheese in secrecy at home. So as an artist now that you have the collection up, you're on OpenSea and you're doing that, which is just amazing as itself. How'd you get involved with 90s Waves? Because it seemed you you already made it big as a one-on-one artist. So <laughs> what drew you into a, a project itself? I never really thought about joining a project. It wasn't something that was top of mind. Like I hate Discord so much, like a very unpopular opinion I have there, but I just never thought about it but I love Twitter spaces and I love talking to people and I had connected with this woman named Danielle Petty on Twitter and she tells me all the time I was her first Twitter friend and I was just interacting with her and we just like would tweet at each other support each other we ended up doing Twitter spaces together I think this was maybe November October November 2021 we started doing weekly Twitter spaces on mental health together and Actually, before this, because I was Danielle's first friend, she was like, hey, would you want to jump on a call? I'd love to get to know you. And mind you, this was my first time anyone from Twitter's ever asked me to jump on a call. And I was like a little bit weirded out because I'm like, I'm about to jump on a video call with a complete stranger. This is weird. (laughs) 
And I always laugh to Danielle about that. But yeah, we jumped on a call and, and it was amazing just getting to connect with someone face to face after tweeting at them online for so long. And we had a really good conversation. We had a lot in common. And that's when we started doing the Twitter spaces after that but with someone named Brianna as well. And so the three of us curated those spaces, which was awesome. And then Danielle had mentioned to me that she was starting a project called 90s Babes. <laughs> and Danielle was starting this in the background and she was doing it with her agency called Digital Radar that she owns. She's a founder of a, a marketing agency. So in her agency, they were like a bunch of people from her agency. They were creating this project. And then fast forward to January 2022, they had gotten a little bit more space to add more team members and they were looking for someone to help them with Twitter spaces. And because her and I had such a good cadence running spaces prior, like mental health spaces that we would run, she, you know, instantly messaged me and was like, Hey, would you want to jump on and, and help us out? And it started with maybe you could help with Twitter spaces to becoming like a core team member, we would jump on calls every day, from like creating the brand and like developing the style and what the attributes of the um, character is gonna look like, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Like they had, mind you, they had already had a really big head start. And so I had jumped in, in January and helped them near the tail and end of launching that whole project and go to market strategy, etc. That's how I joined the team. It was pretty much it was very organic. It was just kind of a friend presenting an opportunity to me. And I'm like, this could be a really good learning opportunity for me in the web three space to learn about being a part of a project and I can apply my market marketing skills and my illustration and my eye for art but also I really believed in the team and the project and the mission that they were reaching for so it, it just made sense to, to join the project. Twitter spaces is really powerful those audio rooms just being able to sit down speak to someone vibe with them I've met so many cool people in those spaces whether they're quote-unquote the blue check marks it's just like <laughs> a minute this person's in here so many times I don't even know who this person is I'm speaking to them for an hour and then I decide to, wow, this person's cool. Let me check their profile. And it's like, wait a minute. Wow. It's just such a cool space. Right? Yeah. yeah. It, and you just never know who you're going to run into. Uh, I don't know if you know that song, Chocolate Rain, that was on YouTube for, it blew up. It was like one of the main videos that made YouTube famous. And uh -huh. the, the guys in the NFTs, <laughs> I was like, how odd is this? Like, That's this, so random. Yeah. <laughs> we're just in the room. I was like, wait a minute. I recognize that voice because he has <laughs> a really deep, like trademark voice. Uh -huh. And you just wouldn't picture that with him. And I go on and I was like, no way. It is not this YouTube guy. It's like, <laughs> yeah, what so. are the odds? And it's crazy because everything's just so accessible right now because it's so early. You don't even know like how accessible like people in web two, like on Instagram, all these influencers who normally like they would never see your DM. They would never want to work with you all of a sudden because we're all at the same starting point right now. Everybody is so open to each other. Everybody is so willing to share the knowledge and learn. And converse and I think that's what's so beautiful about it is it's the accessibility and that's something that I'm a little bit not to get off topic but it's something I'm a little worried about is this something that's gonna stay or is this something that once more people come in is it gonna change and be like web 2 where people who all of a sudden have 10k plus followers they they don't have the time of day for you that's something that I'm like wondering like what's gonna happen like when you have like web 3 influencers to say quote-unquote but I don't yeah, know right now it's a beautiful thing yeah, it's, it's really cool because just so many times I've run into people that I actually know in real life. Um, even actually last night, I was in uh, this huge room with, I think, I don't know, 1,500, 2,000 people were in it. And I go up on stage and I was speaking. And then 
all of a sudden I start to get Facebook messages and stuff like that. And it was a guy who was like, I am pretty sure this is you. I recognize your voice. And I haven't spoken to him, honestly, probably almost 10 years. I went to college oh, with the guy. No. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. No way. And he, I go in, I check his profile. So yeah, it is such a small community that, you know, we like to think it already went to the moon and we're late to the party and all that stuff. You spend enough time in this, you're going to cross paths with just about everyone that's oh, in the yeah. space. It's really well, cool. I have not experienced that yet, but I think that as more people join in, that might happen. And I think that is so cool. The world is smaller than you think. <laughs> Yeah, it really is. And it's fun, though. But that is something I'm concerned, too, about. I know with uh, anything, really, that initial community, it's like when a band blows up, that first core group that was riding around in like these small groups or just anything, really, when it gets so big, I wonder what the feeling is going to be. I even hear that with podcasters, people that mm-hmm. went to, uh, you know, the original podcasters from 10, 15 years ago, they pretty much all knew each other because it was such a weird new thing. <laughs> but now it's like, Everyone has a podcast, you know? Yeah. And it's only the beginning. Think about now the opportunities that podcasts can provide for people that they couldn't 10, 15 years ago. If we think about the opportunities that Web3 is going to provide for people, like I don't even think my mind can wrap around it. Like right now, it's about creating art and having utility. But before that, like when it was like CryptoPunks and Bored Apes, there wasn't really utility wasn't a, a, a requirement. It was just like cool art and people would buy for the art. And now the progress to like you need utility because it's so crowded and utility for one of one artists is another story I don't think that I think the art is the utility to be honest but yeah it's just cool to see like where it can go and like the opportunities it can provide for people whether that's jobs whether that's building a brand for themselves and there's just so much more yeah, really, there there is so much. And we're just barely scratching the surface because I, I like to look back on old uh, YouTube clips and stuff from like the early 90s. And even one of the last episodes I did, which I just did a whole bunch of sound bites of people interviewing Bill Gates and um, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Bezos and those people. And they're just basically making fun of the internet and saying just some crazy things. And I even found one clip someone asked, I forget which founder this was, but they said, there's already a thousand websites online. You think the world needs any more? It's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And here we are. Yeah. I can't believe someone actually asked that 25 years ago. So obviously you see the benefit of where all of this could go, seeing that we're just at the tip of the iceberg. So what was that like coming into Web3 full-time and what were you doing before? To answer the what was I doing before question, I was working full-time doing marketing and communications at the university that I went to school with. So I graduated, came home, then decided I got a job there, moved back. <laughs> so like a lot of back and forth. So yeah, I was doing marketing there and that was cool. It was fun. Working in a career for, for a year that you think is your career path and sometimes you realize that that may not be the career for you and that's what happened in my case. I just realized that like I don't know if I want to be doing marketing full time or if I do, it needs to be something that I'm a little bit more passionate about. Not to say that I wasn't passionate about that, but I think I have a very distinguished niche of things that I like. And I just working at it, I realized it wasn't that. So that's why I decided I was going to leave after one year. I was just testing the waters and experimenting, working full time for the first time, um, like a nine to five job. And it was a good experience. So the one year came up in March, um, this March, 2022. And I knew that I was going to leave the job. It was only a question to me of, do I leave this job and try out doing my art full time 
Or do I leave this job and try to find another nine to five job? And I had known that for many years, I've always pushed my art to the side and made excuses for why I can't do it full time, whether that's like, I'm a student, I don't have time, I'm I'm working. This was an opportunity to really take advantage and, and see given this time what I would do with it. Would I take it seriously? Would I not? Would I hate doing it full time? Like maybe I do want to just keep it a hobby. So for me, it was like an experiment to explore myself as an artist. And with that came having more time to be in Web3. So it just was like a an opportunity. And I was like, I'm just going to take the risk. I'm a very much so risk taker. And I moved back home now. So I'm grateful that I, I have that opportunity and privilege to be with my parents right now, uh, not paying any rent. So that's nice. I'm honestly just experimenting with things and uh, finding what I like and, and is web three what I'm going to do I want to do art full time maybe I realize you know I do like web three but maybe I want to keep my art as like a hobby versus a career and maybe I decide that like I work for a web three company instead like 90s babes like forever full time because technically it's part-time art part-time 90s babes right now but yeah that's why I quit my job I'm kind of just figuring it out I wish I had a more concrete answer for you <laughs> no that's that's great. That That is a great answer. And just feeling it out, figuring yourself out, because that's what we're all doing. And some of us like to say, yeah, we have this all figured out. We have this 40 year roadmap like Gary Vee, but even yeah. he, he's, he's, he's making this up as he goes along. As he just- goes. Yeah, that's one thing that I'm learning in life right now is like, nobody has it figured out. Let's be real. We're <laughs> all confused as heck. <laughs> like We're all just treading as we go. Yep. Which it's funny you bring that up because I reached out to my high school English teacher not so long ago to tell her that I remember her commencement speech. This is all the way from 2004. Date myself a little bit. I graduated high school in 2004. And her whole speech was about just the ironies of life. She said, all of you are leaving high school with all these plans. You have your checklist of who you want to get married to, how many kids you want, what kind of job you want, what kind of price range you want your house in, how many bedrooms and all these different things. And she goes, the only thing I can guarantee you is that your life is not going to go anything like that piece of paper. So just enjoy all the ironies of life, all the different twists and turns. Most of you are probably going to pick up a major or something and end up doing nothing that has (laughs) anything to do related to what you went to school for. So she said, just enjoy the process, take it day by day and just enjoy it. And I thought about that and it's been in my head for the longest time. So I just reached out to her and told her basically what I just told you. And she just writes back to me. You're making your old teacher ball. She's like, I'm crying. (laughs) I can can imagine how sometimes we say things and we don't realize how much impact it would have on someone. So that must have been a nice message to receive. And honestly, that what you just said is also something I'm trying to work on. I think a lot of us have a vision of what we want and we just want to work really hard towards getting that. But we don't take time, like you said, to enjoy the journey. Because, But I don't like that because now I'm realizing like I could get to that point that I, I want to succeed and I could be miserable. And then like I could regret you know, the five, 10 years it took me to get there. Whereas if I'm enjoying the journey, those five, 10 years, maybe it takes me a little longer. I'm actually enjoying the process of it all. Then even if I end up hating the success point, who cares? Like I enjoyed the process of getting there. Yeah, I don't know. Life's short. Yeah. We need to enjoy it. It is. And just enjoying things. This is a little bit you know, off subject too, but it's even <laughs> going to events and having to stop every single second for taking a photo. That annoys me because I can't enjoy the trip. I can't enjoy this concert, this experience or whatever, because we're too focused on taking the photo for later, which to each their own. But it just ruins time for me personally. And I like to enjoy and don't get me wrong. I'm a total planner. Um, Probably the most methodic person I know is trying to figure things out. But then at the same time, I have to tell myself, you know what? 
just let it go. Just wing it. And this is going to be awesome. So yeah, I do appreciate that. And uh, going through the whole thing, I do wish you the best of everything with as far as going web three, because I have to say you're like my hero, because that's what (laughs) that is uh, my goal by the end of uh, this year, which I'm currently in a family business Mm -hmm. and managing that and all the hectic stuff of it. And I'm just like, you know what? Sure, it has brought my father a lot of success. It has put me through school and all sorts of different things. But I was like, if I continue on this path, even if I'm the one, because if you listen to Gary Vee's story, even you're familiar, yeah. when you're working in a family business, like you don't get paid like anywhere yeah, near. Yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so I'm like, I asked myself, I said, all right, if I was the one who was actually taking the profit off the top and this was my business, would I be any happier? And I was like, no, I definitely wouldn't. So I'm going full-time Web3 by the end of this nice. year. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm excited for you. I think you'll like it. I, yeah, it's definitely a journey. I think it gets glamorized a lot more than people think. It's hard. Oh yeah, <laughs> It's hard, but I think you'll do great. I would say like to you or anybody else who's listening to it, just go into it knowing that it's not all peaches and cream and, and fun. It's definitely up and down, especially like right now as we talk about the market being down. That someone's full-time job is crypto and, and flipping NFTs and now all of a sudden everything's down. Like it could definitely affect mental health as well, which I don't think a lot of people talk about. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And definitely even one of the things that I like to plug on this thing is this book, which really helped me by Margaret Warrenberg, 10 Best Anxiety Management Techniques Ever. Uh, That book completely changed my life. I found that about 10 years ago. And a simple thing like just taking time to stop and breathe has just absolutely calmed me down with everything. And this space definitely tests everything that you have, like everything. (laughs) One minute you're on the top of the world and the next minute you're like, what am I doing? Why am I even here? Why am I here? Exactly. Am I in the right place? It's hard, but I like that advice. Just taking time to breathe, take a step. And that's another thing I'm trying to do more when I'm feeling overwhelmed because it's easy to feel like you need to be on Twitter 24-7 because so much is happening all at once. Think about it. This is like a worldwide thing happening and that means it's on 24 seven. So it's easy to feel like you have to be there. But it's important for me to take a step back and, and walk away when I'm getting overwhelmed or like, say I'm like feeling a type of way because it's easy on social media to see people's successes and feel a type of way, you know, like it is we're human. When stuff like that happens, it's important for me to just like close my computer, close my phone and just draw, watch some TV, go on a walk and or maybe just lie in bed and just be sad and stare at the ceiling. But in, at least I'm not like, torturing myself looking at people's posts and wishing it was me etc so yeah that's something I'm trying to do better at is just like turning it all off and understand that like it's okay it'll be there when I come back yeah and that's something I had to really do because especially when I came in uh, last May at first it was like I felt like I was playing catch-up because I thought I came into the party so late the ship already left me so I was trying to run it down or swim Mm -hmm. it down I guess you would say And it wasn't until I went to New York, I want to say it was either June or July, I went to New York and I saw some of my friends and I expected New York to be completely NFT town. This is not directly in the city, um, about 45 minutes north. And I was expecting just basically everyone to be in NFTs and I was the last one to find out. And I was like, no, none of my friends know anything (laughs) I'm talking about. So I thought it was just because I was on Jamaica that I was was cut off from the whole world. But I was like, no, I am actually early to this thing. So yeah, I just, I I don't have to pay catch up. I'm going to miss some things. And like you said, I absolutely hate Discord with the exception of 90s babes. And I'm not saying, (laughs) yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that just because I mean, anyone that listens to the show, I always talk about it's the best party on Discord. That's how I always describe the 90s babe community. Even that though, how 
has that experience been like the community aspect of 90s Vase? Because I know you're deeply involved with that. And as far as, like you said, with Discord for yourself, even it's not really your most favorite platform yet. Somehow you managed to be on this team with, in my <laughs> opinion, the best Discord. It is so much fun. <laughs> it is so much fun. Honestly, the community aspect of it has been absolutely amazing. It's interesting. And this is something I ask myself is like, why everyone always says my community is the best, our community is the best. I think like one of the reasons ours is the way it is because when you have a common interest, like for example, we are the 90s babe. So obviously, the common interest of a lot of people coming into this typically is going to be the 90s and then love for the nostalgia. And I think because that's a common interest and we have such a wide variety of different things of the 90s. We have so many channels. Like we have a Pokemon channel for people to play Pokemon. We can have a channel. We have a channel for like clothing. Like you can post like you in the 90s, 90s fashion, 90s movies. We have movie nights together and trivia. So there's a little bit of something for everyone. It doesn't matter like what part of the 90s that you love. And hey, I was born in 98. I'm making myself sound really young, but I was born in 98, so I didn't really get to live through the 90s. But even before I joined the 90s, babes, the 90s has always been my favorite era because of the music and because of the fashion. So for me, like when Danielle mentioned 90s, babes, to me, I was like, yes, like this is so aligned with me and what like, you know, who I am and like the things that I create and the shoes and everything. So I think that, and I'm getting off topic here, but I think that the reason our community is so great is because we have a common interest, but within that, you, you're free to be who you want to be. You're free to share your experience in different ways. And, and we value mental health. That's like a big part of us. We value mothers because Danielle is a mom and that's something that was important to her to bring into the team. And so it's, yeah, we're about the 90s, but we care about other things beyond just the 90s. We bond over the 90s, but then we expand that as a community into mental health, into like parenthood and into so many different aspects. Like we want to uplift other women and non-binary folks in this space. And I think a lot of people value that a lot as well. So it's like we pulled people in with one aspect and then we grew together with a bunch of different aspects. And I think that's what makes our community just genuinely so kind and caring and just fun overall. Like it's lighthearted, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. Like I know with uh, a, a lot of communities or a lot of things, even people come for one thing, but they stay for another reason. Yeah. And obviously it's a PFP project. So some people might have come into the community thinking, oh, we're just going to get a quick flip because that's yeah. what's going on with uh, these profile pictures these days. But then come in and say, wait a minute, this is fun. Yeah, because I like I said, Discord, love, hate, but definitely 90s babe is, is a fun one. And I'm an 86 baby, so I actually did right. get to have the fun in the 90s. Right. And it really brings me back to elementary school, Tamagotchis, all that stuff was right. like up my alley. And when I was looking through the artwork on the preview, I was like, I don't even know which one I want. I know I want a Tamagotchi for sure, because that was like my first real business was buying Tamagotchis after they sold out and I was flipping them. You what? Know? No way. You're a true entrepreneur. <laughs> what, what actually happened was I saw my, this is in fifth grade. I, I, get to, I remember it like it was yesterday. It was uh, a blue and hot pink with the, the border one. And I said, what is that? And he explained what a Tamagotchi was to me. It went to Toys R Us. They were sold out. So I said, how can I get this? Ask the guy. And they were like, well, we don't know when we're going to get them. So I said, okay, great. So I go to school and I realized that there were a whole bunch of like little younger kids because I'm a fifth grader, quote unquote, big kids. So the younger kids were willing to sell them to me for above what they got them for. So to them, they're like, oh, this guy's an idiot. This fifth grader is paying me. Let's say it was $10 at the time. He's paying $12, $13 for a Tamagotchi. I'm just going to go to the store. I know this sounds horrible. It makes me sound like a horrible person. <laughs> I'm buying them from the younger kids for more than they are uh, being sold for at the store. So they thought they made out 
great. Uh-huh. And then I turned around and sell them to double to the fifth graders. <laughs> and, nice. that's how, and that's how I was getting my supply. Because <laughs> they couldn't find them at the store, right? Yeah, they were absolutely sold out. It was ridiculous. It was a complete circus. It was like that movie Jingle All the Way. Just everyone's trying to run and get the toys and it just you couldn't get them anywhere. And it's not like you could order on Amazon back in those days and you oh, ship yeah. it from wherever. If your town was out, that was it. Your town was out. You weren't I getting any. <laughs> Supply and demand economy. We love it. <laughs> yeah, it was great. So coming into this whole thing with the Tamagotchis and the N64 controller, that was what made me click the um, initial profile. And then once oh, really? I went down, yep, when I went down that rabbit hole, I was like, oh, yeah, this is just great. And I don't regret it at all. It was just fun. And as I said, I like to collect things. And it's like, I want the whole set. I want ones that look like my friend from the 90s. <laughs> I picked them all out. Oh, I love that. I still <laughs> want, I want a Tamagotchi one. I'm going to, I'm going to either mint a new one or I want to buy one, like maybe when we sell out and buy it off of someone and <laughs> help them out. But I would love a Tamagotchi one so bad. Um, like I said, I was born in 98, but I had two Tamagotchis around my neck at all times because it's something that like carried on into the 2000s. I do remember for us, like, it, I don't think it was ever sold out. So that's interesting. But like, my Tamagotchi was like everything to me. So <laughs> <laughs> as far as I remember, that was the first like must have item as, of my childhood anyways. I wow. mean, that was, yeah, it was crazy. It was a technolo- technological breakthrough, this little Tamagotchi. It was, I know. It just, like, yeah, it was ridiculous. <laughs> a cell phone, but not really a cell phone. It was just really good times. I'm going to double it back now to you have all that. You're balancing that. You have your one of one arts and all of that. How do you actually juggle that? Is it frustrating to flip back and forth? I know you're going from 90s, babe. You're going to your art. And how is all of that uh, connected? Or is there any inspiration that draws over? Or is it completely unique things in the art? I know that was a loaded question. but <laughs> All good. That's all good. I'll answer the first part. How do I juggle it all? I don't. It's quite hard. <laughs> I'd be lying if I said oh, I have a good routine and I do this. It's pretty difficult. The one thing I will say is though, Danielle and the rest of the team, minus Lara, who's in the Philippines, Danielle and Steve are in Arizona. So they're three hours behind me. Lara works on Philippines time. So we interact when we can. But by the time they wake up, it's 11am for me and they start at 8am. So when Danielle's jumping on at 8am, I'm at 11am. So I try to go in the morning, I wake up, do my whole morning routine, so that by 11am, I'm ready to jump on a call and get started with 90s babes. So my morning can look a little different. I could work out, maybe I draw, maybe I read, I just try to do what I can. And I do what I need to do with the 90s babes after our call. And then after that, for the rest of the day, or whatever, I try to do art. But that's like the ideal day. It doesn't always look like that. It just really depends on the day. Maybe we don't jump on a call. Maybe the calls later. If we have events in the discord, then I'll be on in the evening. It's all over the place. And to answer your question about is it frustrating to jump back and forth? It is sometimes not always. It's something I'm working on. I think the frustrating part is let's say, uh, (laughs) as an artist, sometimes you're in a creative flow. And let's say I'm drawing and I'm getting it out and I'm in a really good flow. But say something urgent hops in for 90s babes. It's okay, I have to drop my flow and and attend to this and also vice versa. Let's say I'm in a flow with with Danielle or by myself working on something all of a sudden, I remember like, maybe I'm supposed to submit an application. And I'm like, shoot, I'm the type of person like I can't push it to the back of my head. If it comes to my mind, I have to do it now. I don't know why I'm like that. So that's also frustrating. Like I need to finish this, let's say Twitter space planning, but I also have this application I need to submit like within the next hour or so. So it, it, it does get quite frustrating. Like sometimes like 
having to flip back and forth. I'm still trying to find a nice balance, but it, it's hard given like the way NFTs and Discord works. It's kind of just like always up in the air. I don't think there ever will be a balance. I think the best way or solution for me now is just learning to adapt really and truly. And I think I'm getting there, but I'm just trying to be patient with myself and, and adapt to being able to switch back and forth. But yeah, that's the honest answer. <laughs> And that's great because also hearing that, although I'm not an artist in terms of uh, drawing and creating new graphics, I used to do logos and nice. uh, photos and flyers and such like that. But it's the same thing for me too. It takes me a while to start up the, but once I get the creativity flowing and going, it's, I cannot stop. So if the yeah. phone's ringing, if uh, anyone's trying to get me out, it's, unless it's an emergency, just come physically shake me to snap me out of it. But I'm <laughs> locked yeah. in. Or yeah, I'm locked in. Mm-hmm. And yeah, switching, it, it is tough. So I appreciate that answer and that it was all over the place, but that's just great. And I, I like to hear that you have the flow. But the last question I will ask though, is just about the art. Now, what, what is your inspiration for the different ones? Because I know that you said the first one was really conversation with someone about the, the food and the connection yeah. with the cultures. But uh, going forward, like, how do you find inspiration for that? And how do you, or what's your collection about? Or is it just whatever comes to mind or what? Yeah, I love this question. Thank you for asking it. A lot of my art is inspired by my culture. I'll try to summarize this briefly. I usually go on a tangent when talking about this. <laughs> I'll try my best. But yeah, like I'm a South, I'm South Asian, but I'm second generation. So that means my parents were immigrants born in India, and then they moved here. And I was born in Toronto or just outside of Toronto. And my family is Christian. A lot of Indian people, they're Sikh or, or Hindu. or So the typical religions in India aren't Christian, is what I'm trying to say. And so I went to a Catholic high school and elementary school. And so I didn't see or interact with a lot of people who shared my culture until I was in post-secondary, until I was in university. So at 18 years old is when I really had friends who looked like me, who experienced the same things as me growing up. Growing up in elementary and high school around folks who culturally weren't like me, I got bullied. I got bullied for, like they mentioned like earlier, the food. People would make snarky comments. And it was just like that feeling of being othered constantly. And then on top of that, like in the media, there was hardly ever any representation of a South Asian woman. But when there was, it was typically like on a TV show and Uh, Maybe it was like a side character who is a smart brown girl who's always got her head in the books and she's good at math and she's socially awkward. And I'm like, that's not me. That is so, that's such a bad representation. I'm artsy. Like I don't, I'm creative. I'm not not the best at math. I'm I'm smart. Thank God. Give God for that. (laughs) But you know, it just wasn't like, it didn't vibe with me and it made me feel ashamed of my culture growing up. So Long story short, my art right now, I use it as a way to reclaim my identity and to tell my story like how it is and not how people tell me my story should be. And I draw a lot of my inspirations from my South Asian culture. And the whole gist of a lot of my art is blending the South Asian culture with the westernized cultures. So that, what that could look like is draw, drawing a lot of evil eyes in my art. That could look like having... A girl with maybe she's got like Indian traditional jewelry. She's got on a pair of Nikes because I'm a little bit of a sneakerhead. So it's like me blending my two worlds together and telling my story. But overall, like through my art, I just want someone who looks like me and any woman of color really to look at my art and be proud. Damn, look at look at this art. This person is proud of their culture, but they're not afraid to share it. And look at all the great things that they're creating. Like I can also create things and 
and I can stray away from what people tell me I'm supposed to be. And that's all I want to do is empower other women of color to feel that way, regardless of what culture they're from, just to feel like as a woman of color, I don't have to do what people tell me I'm supposed to do. Like I can break those generational curses or those generational stories that have been built for me. So that's how I draw my inspiration for my art. My first collection was a little more generalized because I, I didn't really know what I was doing. <laughs> so that one focuses more on stories of women around me that I'm inspired by. And then the second collection called Reflections is more of what I was talking about with the blending of the two cultures. And, and yeah, that, that's a little bit about me. I hope I rambled a little bit, but... <laughs> Now, that was great. I love to hear behind the work, whether it is uh, someone who's creating movies, music, art, anything. I just love to go know the thought process that went into creating that. So that was an amazing answer. And I appreciate that very much and allowing us to see a little bit into your world, your thoughts and uh, your background and, of course, your culture. So if someone is interested in this art, wants to connect with you, what's the best place or best way to do that? Yeah, thank you for asking. You can reach me right now. On, I'm most active on Twitter. So my Twitter is, is Saffir Peters. I'll spell it out because I know this is going to be audio. So it's S-A-P-H-E-R-A-P-E-T-E-R-S. Saffir Peters. That's my Twitter and my Instagram. You can. I'm usually pretty active. Sometimes things go to message requests. You can also g- email me. <laughs> Going old school here. But it's just, again, Peters at gmail.com. And I will love to get back to people. And then my work is on OpenSea. So if you go to my Twitter or Instagram and click like the link tree link, it'll link to my OpenSea. But yeah. Awesome. So thank you very much sharing all of that. And I will be sure to leave those links to all those profiles that you just mentioned in the show notes. So if you are listening to this and didn't catch that, just feel free, click the show notes and you can actually see all the uh, places where everything is. So again, thanks for being on the show. This was a lot of fun and I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Taj. I appreciated you taking the time and inviting me on to chat a little bit about me and my experience. And um Yeah, thank you so much for for that. I appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. It was so much fun. And hearing how many layers actually goes into this art and even the project itself, all the involvement, all the things that have to be thought about, the different levels of communication, it was just really great to see what goes on behind the scenes. So as I said, this was a little bit long. I didn't want to cut out any of this because I thought there was so much value in it. We covered so many areas. If you're thinking about which episode to skip or what have you, feel free to skip tomorrow. I won't take it personal. I'm going to cover a lot of things for brand new people, but as usual, I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this as we're learning and building Web3 together. So if anything, let me know what you're thinking about this content, especially this. And feel free to show some love to Saf and the 90s babes. And until next time, later. The Nifty Business Show is not investment advice. It provides insights and information within the space. As with anything, please do your own research before making a decision whether you're making an investment or a purchase.